0: I invite you to turn in your Bibles with me to the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 22, starting in verse 34. Our full sermon series is coming to an end. I only plan to have three more messages in this series today, next week, and then December 6th. So three more Sundays, including this week. That does not mean that I will have said everything the Bible says about our work. Far from it. In fact, we won't be anywhere close to that, but we will have hit on some of the highlights. Why we work. We're working for the Lord. Is work good or bad? Well, it's complicated. How to witness at work. How to balance work and rest. How to know what you're called to do for your work. How to pray at work. What our attitudes should be at work. And last week, how to work in the name of the Lord. One of you told me this morning, how this sermon series has helped you this fall at work, and that's a great encouragement to me. I think we've offered answers for just about all of the questions that you turn in on these surveys that we passed out at the beginning of the series. There are a couple of questions on here that were more specific than a sermon would normally cover, and I hope to write an article or two for my blog on the answers to those, and we'll point you to those for specific things. But we've covered most of the ground, or will by the end of the next few weeks. Here was one, though, that I wanted to spend more time on. We, we've we hit on it most of the weeks, but I wanted to address it squarely on the head this week. Here's the question. Conformity to the world. I really struggle with this. A number of you indicated that doing the right thing at work, the ethical thing, the the moral thing that stands out from how the world does things was an area that you thought was important for this series to cover. How do you be righteous at work? And you're right, that's important. If we're supposed to be working for the Lord, and we are, then a big part of doing our work the right way will be doing the right thing at work. But what is that? What is the ethical standard we should be striving for in our workplaces. In one word, it is love. Our sermon title this week is Love at Work, and I don't mean office romance. Or even loving your work, which I hope that many of you do. What I intend for us to think about today is how God is calling us to the standard of love when we make our ethical choices on the job. If we want to be righteous, we will need to be loving. Let me say that again. If we want to be righteous, we will need to be loving. And I can think of no better place to see this than Matthew chapter 22, where Jesus summarizes the entire law into the two greatest commandments. Do you have it in front of you, Matthew 22? This teaching takes place during Jesus' Passion Week. Just a few days before his crucifixion, he's been teaching publicly in the temple courts and he's been confounding his opponents. You know, they bring something at him and he answers deftly, cleverly, perfectly. Sends them right back packing, right? They keep trying to catch him or trick him, but he outsmarts them every time. This time, a Pharisee, an expert in the Mosaic law, steps up to the plate and tries to whiz a fast one by Jesus. Verse 34. Hearing that Jesus had silenced the Sadducees, the Pharisees got together. One of them, an expert in the law, tested him with this question. Teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? Now, for some reason, this man thinks that's a stumper. Probably, being something of an expert, he thinks that if he can't answer the question, nobody can. Or maybe he thinks that Jesus will get himself into trouble by emphasizing one commandment over another and losing supporters on one side of a debate or another. Anyway, about this, this guy thinks he's got Jesus stumped. Before we read verse 37, how would you answer it? There are a lot of commandments in there, right? If you read your Old Testament, there's a whole bunch. What would you put at the absolute top of the list? Or let me put it this way, with work. If you had one rule for those who work at your job to observe, what would it be? Just one rule. We've only got one rule around here. What would it be? Here's what Jesus said, verse 37. Jesus replied, love. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments. Would you pray with me? Lord, we want to do the right thing at work this week. And we're seeing here that the right thing is the loving thing. Help us to get that, Lord, and not just understand it, but to become committed to it so that it burns within our heart, as that song just sang. Fill us, Lord, not just with thanksgiving, but with love. Make us the most loving people on the job this week so that we point back to you. Would you do that a little bit of that, Lord, as we study your word? We ask it in the name of your son. Amen. Our Lord Jesus was not stumped by this question. He had his answer ready. It was right on the tip of his tongue. He said that Deuteronomy chapter 6 verse 5 would take the top of the list. Love the Lord your God with all your heart And with all your soul and with all your mind, Jesus said, this is the first and greatest commandment. You want to know what is always the right thing to do at work? Love your God at work. Love your God at work. That is the first and greatest commandment. It is the most important way to obey while you're doing anything, including while you're doing your job. Love your God at work that makes sense doesn't it because when we do our jobs we're doing them as working for the lord not for men so it makes sense that we would be loving our boss with a capital b now of course that word love gets thrown around a lot in our culture we say we love all kinds of things i love thanksgiving dinner right but the way that jesus is using the word here is much more than affection Or approval of something. It's not the like button on Facebook. This is not loving something on Pinterest. This is putting God first and foremost in our life. Valuing Him above everything else. Turn with me to the book of Exodus. Chapter 20. Many, many Bible students over the years have connected the greatest commandment to love God supremely with the first four commandments in the Decalogue, the Ten Commandments. These first four have often been called the first tablet of the law, as if on those two tablets that Moses came down from, these first four commandments were on one of the tablets and the other six were on the other. Let's look at these more closely and think about how they would relate to our work. Obviously, in this form, in Exodus 20, they were given to Israel as part of the Old Covenant. But we can learn from them ourselves now and think about how Jesus interpreted them and incorporated them into what we call the law of Christ in the new covenant of which we are a part. Exodus 20, verse 1. And God spoke all these words I am the Lord your God who brought you out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. You shall have no other gods before me. Does that work commandment relate to our work lives? I think so. God wants us to love Him first and foremost. Notice that the Ten Commandments start with grace. He reminds them who He is. He is their rescuer. They were not to keep these Ten Commandments to be saved. They were to keep them because they had been saved. And because they had been saved for God. God wanted a special relationship with them. One that was exclusive. You shall have no other gods. Before me, I've really enjoyed uh, reading this book by Tim Keller. As we've gone through this series, it's in your bu- in your bulletins at the top there. It's called Every Good Endeavor. This week, I read chapter eight, which is entitled "Work Reveals Our Idols." It's a very insightful chapter that delineates the many ways in which we that we come up with with what he calls counterfeit gods on the job at work. Greed, right? Loving stuff, loving that green stuff that we would get if we worked really hard. Workaholism, just loving the job itself and uh, not being able to, to give it up. Being driven for success or status. Or even comfort or honor or productivity or any other good thing that has risen to the level of the greatest thing. Here at Thanksgiving, we thank God for His good gifts. But often we take His good gifts and we make them God's themselves. God wants to be the greatest thing in our work lives. And that's God as He really is. The second commandment is about loving God and not customizing Him. Look at verse 4. You shall not make for yourself an idol in the form of anything in heaven above or on the earth beneath or in the waters below. You shall not bow down to them or worship them, for I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God. Punishing the children for the sins of the Father. To the third and fourth generation of those who hate Me. But showing love to a thousand generations of those who love Me and keep My commandments. Do You see the love here? Why does God oppose the manufacturing of idols? By the way, if your job is working in an idol factory, it's time to find a new job. Why does God oppose the manufacturing of idols? Not just because they take the place of God Himself, but because they are all poor substitutes for Him. Because if you make an idol, you think you can control it, right? I mean, this is the idol I made. It owes me something. But God is a jealous God, in a good way. God wants us to worship Him for who He really is, and not just how we want Him to be. How does that relate to our work lives? Have you ever heard somebody at work say, well, my God would never do that. And then they fill in the blank with what they wish God was like, not how He really is. They want a God who is manageable and tame. But our God is not manageable and He is not tame. He manages us. He tames us. And He wants us to love Him as He really is. So if God asks you to do something at work that's different from how the rest of the world acts, don't try to fit Him into the world's mold. Break the mold and go with God. Don't customize your God. You don't get to come up, come up with the features you want God to have and then, and then give those to Him. We take God as He is. Do you see how God is committed to His glory? Even if you send four generations of God-hating people against Him, you will not win. God is fully committed to His own glory and those who love Him will experience His faithful love forever. Love your God at work. And love Him reverently. The third commandment comes with a threat. Verse 7, You shall not misuse the name of the Lord your God, for the Lord will not hold anyone guiltless who misuses His name. God is holy. And His name is holy. It should be treated reverently. We talked about this last week, right? With signing your name. This is more than just don't swear with God's name on the job. Don't. Okay? If you're on the job, don't be saying, oh my God, about anything. Don't use God's name as profanity. This verse does mean that. Don't do it. But it means more than that. It means don't wear that name and then smear mud on it. I think one of the worst ways we can do our work as Christians is to be unethical on the job while telling the world that we are following Christ. We need to do our work with integrity. There are Christian businessmen who put a fish symbol on their business cards but then turn around and rip off their customers. Pat Morley said in his book, A Man's Guide to Work, One thing that kept my own mother from true faith for so long was watching a man she worked with read his Bible every day at lunch and then live like the devil all afternoon. That's misusing the name of the Lord. And it's not loving your God at your work. Now we've already looked at verses 8-11 through in the sermon on work and rest. But let's read them one more time since we're here in the Ten Commandments. Remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work. There's work commanded to do. But the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work, neither you, nor your son or daughter, nor your manservant or maidservant, nor your animals, nor the alien within your gates. For in six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth, the sea and all that is in them, but He rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. One little point about this, just to point out. We love our God at work by trusting Him even when He says we should not work. There are times to rest and let God take it from there. Or as Keith Green famously sang, just keep doing your best and pray that it's blessed and He'll take care of the rest. Part of loving God at work is leaving work at work. Part of loving God at work is leaving work at work. And I am very guilty of failing at that. The Lord has been dealing with me this fall about my need to trust Him and take a break and learn to rest. Work hard when it's time and rest well when it's time and trust the rest of it to God. Do you see what we've done here in Exodus 21-11? through 11? We just thought a little bit about how, the, about how the first four commandments of the Ten Commandments relate to our work life and help us to fulfill the great commandment when we're on the job. To love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. Turn back there to chapter 22. You might want to keep a finger in Exodus 20. But turn back to Matthew 22 and look at that verse again. It's verse 37. Jesus replied, Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. There's a little three-letter word there that's very important, isn't it? What is it? All. The words heart and soul and mind are not so much distinctly different things, but overlapping categories to cover all of the most important parts of us. So that we don't just love God with our hearts, but not our minds. Or with our minds, but not all of our hearts, but with all of us. Luke's version of this commandment includes, with all of your strength. Every inch of our beings all the time, and including when we are at work, should be bent to worshiping God alone. Love your God at work. How are you doing at that? Um, how are you here's a diagnostic question: How are you doing at loving your God at work? Now again, that's not just some warm, fuzzy feelings about God. Oh yes, I feel good about God at week, this week at work. But are you loving God first and foremost and saying no to the idols that your work might offer? Saying no to customizing God and having Him be the God you want Him to be instead of the God He is. Or misusing His name or not trusting Him when you leave work. How are you doing at loving God at work? I will bet that you're failing. Not 100% failing, I hope. But I'm guessing that just asking those questions, you can see areas where you have failed. The Ten Commandments, when we really understand them, show us our need of a Savior. We have all failed at keeping the greatest commandment, but thankfully, Jesus did not. And through His cross, He offers us both forgiveness and His perfect record. Isn't that wonderful? Have you come to trust Jesus as your Savior? He's a wonderful Savior. All that we'll ever need. Trust in Him and ask Him to help you to love God supremely in your work. Each week in this series, we've had a group of people stand and be recognized for their hard work and contribution to the common good. Some of you have stood more than once and some of you haven't stood yet. If you think I've forgotten you, or not noticed you, talk to me afterwards today. I want to get everybody by the end of this series, which is in two more weeks. And more than that, I'd like to visit more of you at your place of work. I was impressed by the pastors I listened to this summer at the National Conference that it's important for pastors like me to actually go to your place of work to understand better what you do all day, every day, and every week. So that it will inform my preaching and my shepherding of you. not just To not just make hospital visits and home visits, but also work visits. Now some of you don't want me at your place of work. I get that. Some of you can't have me at your place of work. I don't think, for example, the power plant that Lonnie works at is open to visitors most of the time. But if you would like to have me visit your work, I'd love to come and see what you do and talk to your coworkers, and maybe pray for you on the job. I promise not to get in the way. I've done it with some of you over the years, but I see now, I see it now as a more important and permanent part of my job description as your pastor. Today I'd like to have everyone who interacts with the public stand and be recognized. I'm thinking especially of those who work in retail or reception, or you're a server in a restaurant. You're a waiter or a waitress. Maybe you man a welcome desk that people walk up to. Or a help desk. Maybe you answer the phone at work. You're the face or voice of your company. Would those of you who work in public relations or who are the farthest reach of a company, would you stand and be recognized? Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for your contribution to society. And thank you for doing it as followers of Christ. Loving God on the job. I'm sure it's not always easy to deal with the public. I'm sure it's not always easy to do the right thing. The loving thing on your job. Thank you for trying. For wanting to do the right thing. And for loving God and those around you. Yes? Those around you. Your neighbors. Because that's where Jesus goes next, isn't it? In verse 39. Loving God with everything in us is the first and greatest commandment, but it's not the whole enchilada. Look at verse 39. And the second is like it. It's also about love. Love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments. You want to know what is always the right thing to do at work? Love your neighbors at work. Love your neighbors at work. It's not enough to say that we love God. We must also love our neighbors, the people around us. Loving people is secondary to loving God, but it's not optional in any way. In fact, we can't love people the way we should unless we love God. But if we love God, we will surely love people because they are made in His image and because we want to reflect that image by loving what He loves. So what does that look like? What does it look like to love your neighbors at work? Let's turn back to Exodus 20 and look at what's often called the second tablet of the law. The last six of the Ten Commandments. These commandments are more focused on neighbors. What does it say there? Pew Bible, page 73, Exodus 20. Look at verse 12. Honor your father and your mother so that you may live long in the land the Lord your God is giving you. Now if your work is at home, perhaps you're a young person, then this verse applies directly to your work. And of course, we continue to honor our parents as we get older. I hope that I honor Chuck and Anita Mitchell in the way that I do my work day in and day out. And many Christians have seen a deeper principle at work here in this commandment, that of honoring any proper authority over us. So loving our neighbors in that sense could be honoring our bosses and treating them with respect. How are you doing at that? Remember, this doesn't say, if they act honorably, honor your parents. It just says to honor them. And the same is true at work. We don't just show respect to the management when they're doing their job well. How did Jesus say to love our neighbors? As yourself. As you would want to be loved if you were the neighbor. Are you treating your boss in the way you wish you were treated if you were the boss? Verse 13 is about co-workers. Verse 13. You shall not murder. That was a joke. I thought you'd appreciate that one. Next week the sermon is going to be about relating to our co-workers, both good and bad. A number of you have asked for that one. But I'm also not kidding here about the Sixth Commandment. What did Jesus say about the Sixth Commandment when He was preaching His sermon on this, where did the Lord go with that? Hate, that's right. Matthew 5, Jesus said, You have heard that it was said to the people long ago, Do not murder, and anyone who murders will be subject to judgment. But I tell you that anyone who is angry with his brother will be subject to judgment. Again, anyone who says to his brother, Raka is answerable to the Sanhedrin, but anyone who says, You fool, will be in danger of the fire of hell. Therefore, if you're offering your gift at the altar and there, remember that your brother has something against you, leave your gift there in front of the altar. First go and be reconciled to your brother, then come and offer your gift. Jesus goes after the heart of murder. And it's very simply just hate. It's devaluing a person and wishing them ill and refusing to forgive. Murdering them where? In your heart. Verse 14. You shall not commit Adultery. That means that you are faithful to your spouse when you are at work. And it means that all of your co-workers and customers and everyone else you interact with at work are safe from you sexually. You won't misuse them in any way, including private fantasies. Verse 15, you shall not steal. You love your neighbors at work by not taking their things, by upholding their property and their rights. And, of course, that's more than just stuff, isn't it? You can steal a lot of different ways at work, can't you? Pat Morley has a list in his chapter on integrity in A Man's Guide to Work. He says, ask yourself, do I surf the Internet on company time when the boss is on vacation or in meetings? Do I make telephone calls on company time instead of at lunch or during authorized breaks? Do I mark sick time on my card when I want a day off or am out of vacation days? Do I report all of my income? Do I lie to make sales? Do I knock off early without permission? Do I fudge on expenses? Do I borrow company supplies? When I do those things, I am failing to love my neighbor as I love myself. Do not steal. Do you see how ethics is all about love? All of ethics is about loving our neighbors. Verse 16, you shall not give false testimony against your neighbor. This is about lying on the job. The ninth commandment is about protecting the reputation of others. This is about how you talk about others on the job. Do you tell the truth about them? Do you talk about them as you would want to be talked about if you were the subject of the conversation? This is the commandment that rules out office gossip. And one last one, verse 17. You shall not covet your neighbor's house. You shall not covet your neighbor's wife or his manservant or maidservant, his ox or donkey or anything that belongs to your neighbor. His desk. His tools. His position. His job. His promotion. His success at work. Loving your neighbor means being content with what you have and not jealous of what your neighbor has. This last and tenth commandment is the most internal one. You can't always tell if someone is coveting or not. But God cares about the heart. That's where you love or you don't love. It's not love to be jealous of somebody else's things. How are you doing at loving your neighbors at work? My guess is that you are failing. Not 100%, I hope. But when I look at these commandments and I, I, I start to apply them to myself, I am painfully aware of my shortcomings. I'm painfully aware of my sin. And that's right and good. Because I need a Savior, and I need to know that I need a Savior. These commandments reveal how needy I really am. They not only set the standard, they show how much I don't need it. This is the week of Thanksgiving. And the thing we should be most thankful for is pardon for sin, right? Our salvation. Because we have all failed to love God supremely and to love our neighbors as we would want to be loved. And it's not good enough to just try harder. This is not the week of try harder to love people. We should try harder. But we will always fail to some great degree. Thankfully, Jesus did not fail. He won the victory and He gives it to us if we believe in Him. And more than that, He helps us to love others as He has loved us. Jesus kept the greatest commandment and the second one that's like it. He loved His God with all of His heart and soul and mind and strength. And He loved His neighbors as He loved Himself. And now He is working His love into us So that we can love too. That's love at work.